0: It's always weird looking at yourself on the screen, but they got my good side, so praise God. (laughs) Hey, Relentless, I'm excited that you are here, that that I get to be here with you today. If I can get the keyboardist uh, just to play behind me. Every time I come and I have an opportunity to preach, uh, one of the things that I love to do is I love to do what I like to call a spiritual check. Spiritual check. So would you stand to your feet for me? We're going to do a spiritual check And we're going to do, what I want you to do is I want you to put your hands on your heart. Put your hands on your heart. Before we begin today, it's very imperative that you understand that Jesus is trying to come in your heart today that Jesus is trying to solidify his presence in your heart today. But the soil of your heart, the condition of your heart must be ready to receive what he wants to release today. And so I don't know if your heart has been burdened or it has been heavy, but this is a moment to release it over to Jesus, amen, so that Jesus can come into your heart today. Would you go ahead and lift your hands, lift your hands. Uh, The Lord wants to deposit something into your life, and you got to catch it, okay? But in order to do that, you got to let go of what you've been holding on to. Amen. You got to let go of the things that you've been holding on to. And so as you lift your hands, you're declaring that, Lord, I'm letting go of offense. I'm letting go of grief. I'm letting go of hurt. I'm letting go of pain because something new is going to be deposited in my life today, and I'm ready to receive it. Would you go ahead and put your hands on your eyes? Put your hands on your eyes. It is imperative that we remove our perspectives on life and adopt his perspective. And one of the the goals of the Christian is to see what Jesus sees, amen? It's to see how Jesus sees me, to see how Jesus sees my situation. And so what, what we want is we want God's sight, not just my sight, amen? So God, give me your sight, not just my sight. Would you put your hands on your ears? Put your hands on your ears. Hey, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe faith is going to rise today because you're going to hear something different. You're going to hear something new. You're going to hear something that the Lord wants to speak directly to you. Would you put your hands on your mouth? See, many of us experience negative because we speak negative. And I don't know what you've been speaking this week, but God has a new word that he wants to release through your mouth today. And you're going to have to close your mouth so that he can open his. Amen. And the Lord wants to wants to give you a new word today. He wants to give you a fresh talk today, a fresh voice. Last one. Go ahead and look at your feet. Look at your feet. If you got raw shoes on, come on, just say, God, thank you. Thank you for the blessing, Lord check. It is very important that you understand this. In order to step into something better, you have to step out of something broken. In order to step into something better, you got to step out of something broken. So I don't know where you've been walking this week. I don't know what you've been uh, associating this week. I don't know what you found yourself into this week. But the grace of God is here. The mercy of God is here. And you can walk completely out of that thing today. Amen. So as we just lift our hands and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Our hearts, our ears, our minds, our mouths, our feet are ready to receive a new word for you, from you. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your genius. Thank you that you are orchestrating everything in our life today. And we put our trust in you, Lord. We thank you right now for what you're doing through Relentless Church. We thank you that you are using this ministry to interfere with the enemy's plans for division, Lord. We thank you that you're bringing a multi-ethnic, multicultural mindset to this city, Lord, through Relentless Church. And we thank you that we're gospel-centered, and we thank you that we are focused on you. And Lord, we pray right now that you will deposit something fresh on today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for Jesus? I said, would you put your hands together for Jesus? Hallelujah. Hey, if you don't uh, know just yet, go ahead and have your seats. I am a preacher that loves it when you talk back to me, okay? So I'm okay with your amens. I'm okay with your hallelujahs. actually look to the person next to you really quick and say, if the Lord uh, speaks to me, I'm going to say it, okay? And look to the next person, your second choice. Look to the second choice and say, if you got a problem with it, move over. Come on now. Because the Lord is going to do something fresh today. It is an honor for my wife and I to be here at Relentless Church. Uh, we've known your pastors for some time now. Like he said, we are OGs. And so we were with Relentless when they were in the movie theater. Uh, my wife served on the worship team for a few months. Uh, I was actually able to preach at Relentless. We met Joy uh, at Relentless when we was in the movie theater. So uh, we're not just strangers coming into uh, this work. We're family, right? And so today, uh, you cannot just call me Pastor Ed, but I'm I'm cousin it today, okay? I'm cousin it, all right? And uh, because this is the house that me and my wife, uh, the Lord really used the pastors to bless us. And I remember what Pastor David gave my wife and I, some of the best advice. He said, don't let ministry or don't let people ever steal your joy. And I believe that and we held on to that. So if I get excited, it's because I'm remembering that Pastor David said, don't let nobody steal my joy, okay? So if you don't respond, if you don't receive, I'm gonna still preach with all that God has given me because I'm not going to let nothing steal my joy. That's the kind of pastors you have. And I'm excited about them. Can we just also honor my wife today? I thank you so much. This is my ride or die. Uh, This is my boo thing, my baby. And um, I'm excited that we always get to do ministry together. Hey, if you uh, haven't met my wife yet, I promise you when you meet her, you will walk out smiling, okay? You will walk out joyful because she is filled with joy and joy is contagious. Ain't that right, Joy? (laughs) You like how I did that? Hey, we're going right to Matthew 9, Matthew 9, Matthew 9. Uh, We're going to start at verse 35 to 38, and we're going to read from the New Living Translation, the New Living Translation. And uh, we should have it on the screens for you. If you have your Bibles and they glow in the dark, that's completely fine here. okay? Uh, but if we have it on the screens, I'm going to be reading from my physical Bible. And here's what it says in Matthew 9. 35 it says Jesus traveled through all the towns and all the villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and anu- announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness and when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he said to his disciples the harvest someone shall harvest He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Here's what verse 10 one says. And Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out every spirit and to heal every kind of disease and illness, and this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that what you're going to deposit, we are ready to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The one thing that you must understand is that if you're going to uh, grow and learn how to go, that the distance that you go And the depth that you grow is dependent on how you believe the God that you serve. But it's not just dependent on what you believe about the God that you serve. It is equally dependent on what you believe about you. Because you can believe one thing about your God and have a totally different belief about you. And the one thing God is attempting to do is align what you believe about you with what he says about you. And it's important that if you're going to go far and you're going to experience the depthness of this journey with Jesus, that you're going to have to fix what I think about me. Uh, psalms the uh, the uh solomon says in psalms 23 7 he says that for what a man thinketh so is he he didn't say for what god thinketh so is he he said for what a man thinketh so is he what mean what that means is what you think about you dictates how you behave in this life amen because what you think about you will be aligned with how you actually walk out this journey called life. In Jesus, God our Savior is attempting to realign you with what he thinks about you. This is why he regularly repeats in his word who you are. Why? Because he knows that just because he knows who you are, that doesn't mean you know who you are. Amen and so he's trying to remind you regularly and repeatedly that you are the head and not the tail come on somebody that you are the salt and the light right that you are royalty that you are anointed that you are called that you are a son and a daughter of God why is he doing this consistently over and over because he knows that there's inconsistency in the way you see yourself And he's going to attempt with all that he has to align what you think about you with what he thinks about you. But the enemy's job is to ensure that you never find out what God truly thinks about you. I said the enemy's job is to ensure that you never find out what God truly thinks about you. And the enemy knows that if he can't fix what you think about God, he can come for what you think about you. Because just because you believe God's good, God's great, that doesn't mean you believe he's good and great to you. Mm, Come on, Jesus. Just because he's perfect and just because he's holy, that doesn't mean you ever believe you can ever progress and come out and find freedom. The enemy is so committed to ensuring that you never find out who God truly wants and called you to be. So if I can break this down, I believe the enemy is trying to come after your identity. And we see this in Genesis with Adam and Eve. The enemy comes into the Garden of of Eden. He comes in like a snake. He comes in slithering. And you know what? It's not unusual for a snake to be in the garden. The enemy will try to show up like he belongs in your life. And you got to be so discerning and you got to be so careful because it may look good, but is it God? Come on now. It may look like they have benefit from my life, but are they really here to destroy my life? There's things and there's people and there's jobs that the enemy will slither into your life and it will look like it belongs. But the enemy's job was to affect the identity of Eve. He said, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God. But in Genesis chapter one, the Bible says that the father, the son and the Holy Spirit gathered together and they said, hey, we should make men in our image and our likeness. The enemy tried to get her to become what she already was. <laughs> she just didn't believe that she was like God. But the Bible says we were already created in his image, in his likeness. We were not God, but we are like God. Come on now. And the enemy is always trying to come against that identity. And I believe the enemy's number one goal in life is to get you to stop seeing you how God sees you. When he, when he gets you to stop seeing you how God sees you, revivals don't happen in our city. Churches don't grow. Souls are not one. Freedom is not found. Callings are not stepped into. People actually begin to feel as if my past is too much for my future to be great. People start looking at their unworthiness instead of looking at that you was worthy enough for Jesus to die on the cross and forgive your sins and wash away all of your past. Why? Because we are struggling with an identity crisis. And Jesus is attempting in Matthew 20, in Matthew 9 to fix some identity issues that he is seeing in his church, that he is seeing with his people. And it says that he looks in Matthew 35. It says that Jesus looks at the crowd after he just got through working, as he just got through healing and he just got through uh, pouring his life out. He looks at the crowd of people and he realizes that there's still so much work that needs to be done. There's still so many souls that need to be reached. There's still so many neighborhoods that need uh, to have revival happen on their streets. There's still so many homes that have broken families. There's still so many marriages that are being uh, destroyed by the enemy. There's still so many kids who are carrying the pain and generational curses from their family. And he's looking out into the crowd and he says, My God, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. And he looks at his disciples and he says, I need you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send workers, laborers into his harvest. And I think it's a perfect picture of the identity and the work of every believer. So this message isn't just for you, this message is for the entire church, because Jesus is attempting to release his people into the harvest field. And so I'm titling this sermon, Let's Go. Let's go. Let's go. Because for far too long, I've put the demand... Of the harvest on my pastor. For far too long, I put the need to reach the harvest on my church. For far too long, I put what was going to be required to win souls on the man on the TV screen. But Jesus is looking at his disciples, those who said, if you love me, you will obey me. Those who says, I gave up my life to follow you. He looks at them and he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest so he can send people, laborers into his harvest. And here's what Jesus was doing. He was taking the mirror. And he was turning the mirror around to them. So many times we take the mirror and we turn it around to other people. Man, you're gifted. You're called. Why don't you do this? Man, you're anointed at that. Why don't you do this? There's hurting people in India. Why don't you go there? And Jesus is saying, you're a laborer. The mirror should be turned around on you. Lord, will you send me? Lord, can I build this church? Can you use me on the prayer team? Can you use me on the worship team? Can you use me on the welcome team? Can you use me in the outreach? Can you use me in my neighborhood? Can you use me to reach my neighbors? Can you use me to reach my family members? And he's turning the mirror on us. But the enemy's role is to get you, when you look in the mirror, to not see you how Jesus sees you. And what that does is, that immobilizes the church. And I'm here to tell you that I'm going to bring a matchmaking service to you today, (laughs) but this isn't Christian mingle, okay? I'm not going to match you with each other. I'm going to match you with the version of you that Jesus has already established in his word. I'm going to match you with the overcomer. I'm going to match you with the called. I'm going to match you with the anointed version of you. I'm going to match you with the free version of you, and I want you to see that when he looks into the harvest, he's sending us and here's three things that I believe, the laborers, if you're going to labor in the work of God, there's three identity shifts that must take place. If I'm going to labor, here's the first one, laborers must see themselves as harvesters. Laborers must see themselves as harvesters. The harvest is our responsibility. Did you notice that Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest so that he will send workers into the harvest? That means that if you don't take the responsibility to pray, the harvest won't be reaped. If we don't take the responsibility to pray, then souls won't be won at the rate that God wants to win them. That the church won't grow at the rate God wants to grow it. That freedom won't happen at the rate God wants it to happen. There's many promises in the word of God that goes unfulfilled because the believers haven't taken the responsibility to fulfill the promise. I think about the Israelite people. The Israelite people. God gave them a promised land. God told them that this is the land that you are going to occupy. But when you go into this land, you're going to have to fight, you're going to have to battle, you're going to have to actually occupy this land. And for 40 years, they got cursed to walk around the promise and never enter into the promise because they did not want to take responsibility of the promised land. Here's my question to you. What are some unfulfilled promises that God wants to release in your life that you've yet taken responsibility for? There's some unfulfilled promises that was in my life that in order for me to fulfill the promise, I have to take responsibility for it. So many of us say, Lord, bless my finances. Let me get real. Right. Bless my finances. Open doors. I want a new job. I want a financial freedom. My family want to go on vacation. We want to be able to do these things. But my question to you is, have you taken the responsibility to budget? Okay. Is it too real for you? I'm sorry. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought we prayed earlier. Lord, open my heart, touch my mind. Let me hear what you want me to hear. I thought that was a spiritual check we performed earlier. Lord, Lord, I want you to bring reconciliation to my family. I want to get back to how family used to be, fun, barbecues, hang out. But yet, have you taken responsibility to forgive? Or are you waiting for someone else to forgive? Jesus says the harvest is your responsibility. Are we waiting for the church to set up the outreach? Or are we going to actually reach out to another family that's broken and hurting? And Jesus is saying that the harvest is being put into your hands. But you got to pray that he will send workers, laborers into his harvest. And when you labor, you are a harvester. Harvesting? is more than inviting people to church. That is a beginning work of harvesting, but harvesting is more than inviting people to church. This is about your church actually being in your city. Harvesters don't believe for revival just to happen in the church. They ask God to revive them daily to bring revival to their city. See, when you're a harvester, you're not okay With neighbors not knowing Christ. When you're a harvester, you're not okay with neighbors having a broken marriage. When you're a harvester, you're not okay with your city being destroyed. Does that make sense? Why? Because you are a harvester in the harvest field of God. And so many times we get okay with being around darkness. We get okay with being around brokenness. But I'm here to announce to you that Jesus was never okay with it. It says that when he traveled around, he healed every kind of disease, that he healed every kind of illness, that he touched every infirmity. Why? Because Jesus was not content with darkness being around him. He made sure that I'm going to contend or battle to make sure that people experience freedom, people experience life change, people actually begin to find salvation. My question to us is, now that we got this nice building, have we become content? Because I remember when Relentless Church was at the theater, man, we had to set up Sunday after Sunday where the OGs at, where the OGs at who, rem- who remember that Sunday after Sunday? You remember all the new families that would come through? You remember all the people that say, man, having church in a the movie theater is so cool? You know, and you know how many lost people came in the movie theater? Like had no concept of church, no concept of Christ? You remember that? I mean, we were set up and tear down every single Sunday. Why? It's because we were harvesters. We were builders of the church. We were not content with darkness being in our city. And what happens is when churches get buildings, when churches get structures, churches lose workers. Churches lose laborers. Why? Because when I show up, everything's already prepared for me. Come on, that's good. I thought thought Relentless Church talked back. I thought Relentless Church talked back. I told you the type of preacher that I am. Please, if the Lord had blessed you with an amen, please say amen, okay? (laughs) Okay? When you lose your identity that I'm a harvester, then you walk into spaces only thinking about you. But when we were at the theater... Every Sunday. Am I wrong, Joy? We were thinking about the harvest. We were thinking about the souls. We were inviting like crazy. We were were in our neighborhoods. And I'm saying we because I told you I'm Cousin Ed. Come on now. Don't lose your identity because God has blessed you with a building. Does that make sense? And this is not for Relentless Church. This is every single church. It happens. COVID messed up the identity of the believer. To where now I'm okay with being comfortable and I don't need to get out there and labor. (laughs) I don't need to harvest. The churches are going to open back up and they're going to harvest. Harvest. I can sit back and I'm good. But how many of you know that Jesus is still looking around and praying and believing for harvesters? And here's the second one laborers are planters, laborers are planters. Planters take responsibility for seed. Planters take responsibility for seed. One of the things you will find out about me is once you get to know me, is I am a grass enthusiast, all right? (laughs) I am a lawn care ninja, okay? I am a dominator in my neighborhood for all lawns, okay? I'm coming after the best lawn in the neighborhood, and I'm on a mission. You hear me? I got disciples in my life. (laughs) My brother Miguel is one of them. Where we have transformed his lawn into a nice lawn. Your lawn is nice and green, best lawn in the neighborhood. Come on, Jesus! Come on, Lord. One of the things you'll find out about me is I don't just cut grass. I care for the soil. Here's why. It's because the better the soil, the better the grass. And some people just cut grass. But I care for my grass. And it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm dominating in my neighborhood To make sure that when they see my law, they're saying, man, what are you doing? What are you using? Do you actually have a job? Because (laughs) you out here all the time. No, it is because I planted my own seed. And what the church has been called to do is we're called to dominate in the world. We're called to be the people that the world looks at and says, what are you doing? What is going on? How is that your? How is your marriage thriving after the family that you just had, after the family that you come into, the family you were in? How is your marriage thriving with the father you had, the mother you had, the finances you got? Look at your bank account statement. How in the world are you still joyful? It is because God planted a seed in my life called Jesus Christ. And ever since then, Jesus has been pouring seed into my life. And it is our responsibility to plant more seed. So laborers are planters. They take responsibility for seed. What does that mean, pastor? The Bible says, Jesus says, the world will know you by how well you love each other. You don't think that how well you love each other is a seed in the world? How well you love each other at Relentless Church is a seed in the world. There's good deeds that are (laughs) seeds. I got a story. We was going to uh, pick up the equipment for our new campus at Focus Church. We're launching our third location, and my wife and I are going to be the campus pastors. And we went to Georgia to pick up uh, the equipment. We purchased it from a church that is moving into their own space. And we're on our way. We got the equipment, and this man is fumbling in the road and we think he's about to have a heart attack now we got some place to be we got some place to go and we on the timeline but i saw a man stumbling and four men get out the car and ask this man are you okay he says i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and we said, okay, and we stood there and watched this man stumble about 50 feet down the road, and he fell, hit his head right on the concrete. That man was battling intoxication, and he fell in the middle of the street. Two cars was about to run over that man, but me and some friends planted a seed got in front of traffic, held off traffic, called 911, prayed over this man, and we went to, and and the 911 came in 15 minutes, got him, saved the man's life. You know why? Because planters take responsibility for the seed. The seed Wasn't just the deed, the seed was the prayer. The seed was a second chance. This man had now a second chance. Jesus used us to give him a second chance. Here's what what you must not, you must understand. You are responsible for seed, not soil. Here here it is. Let, let Let me show you. Mark 4, 3 through 8 says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath. Some birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun since it didn't develop deep roots. It died. Other seed fell on thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, some seed, he's still throwing seed. It says, still, some seed fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times much more than he planted. Here's the truth. You can't control no one else's soil, but you can control how much seed you throw. There's going to be people in your life that's in the harvest, lost unbelievers, and if you're here today, if you've not accepted Jesus, let me be honest with you, okay? The soil is your responsibility, but the church of Jesus Christ, the seed is ours because we can throw seed and throw seed and throw seed, but if it's falling on thorny ground— If it's falling on hard soil, that's not our responsibility. That's your responsibility to submit the soil of your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died so that you can have soil that is conditioned for seed. But if Jesus Christ is never accepted into your life, you remain in the harvest. And Jesus is calling people out of the harvest Because the laborers are planting seed. And so seed is the church's responsibility. So here's my question. Have you gotten fatigued with throwing seed? Come on, Jesus. Have you gotten fatigued with throwing seed? Is there somebody you stopped praying for? Is there somebody you've given up on? Is there somebody that you have cursed and said you will never change? You will always be this way. Is it someone that you've written off? If it is, let me diagnose the issue that's going on in your life right now. You are what you are experiencing what I like to call compassion fatigue. The Bible says Jesus looked at the helpless and the hopeless, and he had compassion on them. When you stop throwing seed, you lose your compassion. When you lose your compassion, the harvest is never reaped. There's people in your life, I know, they're hard to deal with. You say, Pastor, well, you don't know this person. This person crazy, man, this person crazy. Pastor, you don't know this person. This person is hard, man. This person is hard. Hard to be around. I don't go to the family dinner anymore because of this person. Like, I ghost this person. They texted me all. Like, Pastor, they're hard to be around. Well, let me tell you this. You're not alone. You don't think Jesus was around people that was hard to be around? Jesus had somebody on his team named Judas who betrayed him. You think you're the only one with a Judas in your life? But Jesus still washed Judas' feet. Jesus said, I'm responsible for seed. He's responsible for the soil. His heart didn't change. He led led himself to destruction. But I I didn't stop throwing seed. Have you become seed fatigued? Have you become compassion fatigue? I know I'm preaching better than you are shouting. I'm just waiting for somebody to bless me with an amen. <laughs> Let me know how how, how the Lord is the Lord. I pray for this word. Like this isn't just, can I get real with you? We family. Cousin there, right? I was going to prepare a sermon that I'd already prepared in the past. But the Lord arrested me and said, I need you to give them something new. And the Lord took me to the harvest field. So this isn't an ordinary word. This is a specific word for somebody in the house today. And how loving and special and good is our God that he thinks enough about you to ensure that we didn't give you something that was already produced, but that we give you something that is new today. And so this is just for you. So laborers are harvesters. Laborers are planters. And here's the last one. Laborers are farmers. (laughs) Me and my wife are city people, Uh, we are so city people. Uh, that I want my Walmart five minutes from my house, right? <laughs> like, like I am so much of a city guy that like if I start seeing area where it's just trees and farmland, like I feel like I'm entering into another portal and another place. And I'm like, man, this is too far. I know it gets super dark at night. Like, I'm not, like, how in the world I know there's gonna be snakes and deers, and like I just start hearing raccoons and I just like I'm in the car and I just hear animals. Like it's like. This is not going to work for us, babe. This is not going to work for us. We're city people. We like the convenience. I, mean, I want a Chick-fil-A nearby. Come on, somebody. Anybody praying for a Chick-fil-A on that street? Like, I'm praying for Chick-fil-A close by. Come on, that's something about that Christian chicken, man. That Christian chicken. It's the oil. It's the oil. It's anointed. <laughs> you see what I did there? The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. Um, so the crazy thing is, me and my wife have been called to plant another campus through Focus Church. And it's in Garner, North Carolina. You know, that ain't too far from the country, <laughs> right? And so like this crazy, what do you say? Sholane. You're right about that, show Sholane. And the crazy thing the Lord did, we, we, had, we said, Lord, we give our life to you. We give our life to your ministry. We give our life to the harvest. Whatever you want us to do, we will always work your fields, right? That's the core value of my family. We will always build the church. No matter what we got going on in life, our kids, our family will always know we are going to build God's church. And about six months ago, the Lord had put this on our heart to sell your house. I was like, Lord, we love our house. Like, I love my house. If you know, I'm a lawn enthusiast. Like, I'm dominating in my neighborhood. You want me to give my grass up, God? This is my grass. Like, I'm out here killing the game, Jesus. You want me to give up my grass? We had just reset our whole backyard, laid everything out, put a new pergola, outdoor kitchen. Like, we did a lot of it ourselves. We did a lot of it ourselves. COVID, we got busy in COVID and we built a backyard. <laughs> and uh, six months ago, sell the house. It's like, man, this is weird. This is so weird. Well, we put the house on the market, sold it, made a good penny. And you know where we move to? Clayton. God, come on, Jesus, come on, God. We moving to Clayton, Clayton, y'all. I'm not a country boy. Look how I dress. This ain't country. We out here in Clayton. Then we do have a Walmart. Praise God. She's like, we got a Walmart. We got a Walmart. We do got a Walmart. <laughs> That is it. You're right. Lord, can we pray for a Chick-fil-A? Lift your hands right now, guys. Let's pray for a Chick-fil-A. Let's pray for some convenience. Here's Here's the crazy part. When you're a laborer, you're a farmer. Farmers take responsibility for the field that God plants them in. The field that God gives them, they take responsibility for the field. So he put in our heart six months ago to sell our house because we're moving closer to where the campus is going to launch, we need to be in the community that he's calling us to reach, and therefore he's moving us out of our comfort zone into the country so that we can take responsibility for the field. Why? Because laborers are farmers, and if God uproots you and God calls you out of your comfort zone, it is not your responsibility to question the one who calls you. It is your responsibility to look at yourself and say, "Well, I'm a farmer," and I got responsibility, and if this is the field you're planting me in, God, I'm gonna take ownership of this field. See, your field may be one church instead of multiple. Your field may be one team that God puts you on. Your field may be one life that He wants you to disciple. Your field may be one neighborhood. Your field may be your job. Your field may be your children. Listen, can I be honest with you? You're not just managing kids. Like, you're not just parenting. You're raising up laborers in the kingdom of God. And you know, I know you take it with, with seriousness. I know you do. But sometimes you can get inundated with dirty diapers and three-nagers. That was a really good term. I thought that was great. Like You get three-nagers and teenagers and all these things. You get so inundated with life that you, you forget to look at your kids as future laborers in the harvest field. And so it is your responsibility to farm your field. Come on, Jesus. It is your responsibility to farm your field. Why? Because I'm a laborer in the kingdom of God. Farmers take responsibility. Can I have the keyboard come up? Farmers take responsibility for the entire field. Sometimes your field is one life. Sometimes your field is one team. Sometimes your field is one church. Sometimes your field is your husband. Yes, we are fields, wives, okay? We are fields, okay? We are field, okay? And yes, sometimes you got to be extra patient with us, and sometimes you got to put up with some things, okay? And wives, you are fields too, okay? You are fields too. Sometimes your brother is a field. That sister is a field. That old friend that hurts you real bad, that's a field. You don't have to allow access into your life, but you are called to reconcile. That dad is a field. That neighbor is a field. Look at each other. Look at someone next to you. That's a field. That's a field. So how well you encourage each other, how well you love each other. Thank you, brother. You need to play softly. Thank you. That's a field. And it's our responsibility as the church to look out into the crowd and see the hurting and see the broken and see those who are battling the toughest disease. To look at children who don't have a family. To look at our community and to see the hurt, the, the the. The the division, and it's our responsibility to pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send laborers into his harvest. Without that, he won't send the laborers. It is conditioned on how well, and how much, and how deep, and how long we pray for God to send out laborers into his harvest. It's dependent on how compassionate we are. It's dependent on us harvesting. It's dependent on us planting. It is dependent on us farming. For him to move the hearts of other people, compelling them to go into the harvest. That word that Jesus uses in Matthew 10, verse 1, he says, immediately it says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, and to heal all kinds of diseases. And then it says, in verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. He sent out the 12 disciples. That word send, in the Greek, it is the same word as cast out. So when Jesus cast out demons, it's like he's thrusting them out. It's like he's pushing them out. Uh, he doesn't play patty cake with the devil. He's not being compassionate with the devil. He's not being affirming and all sensitive and let him know the moment he sees darkness. It says he thrust it out. That same word is being used when it says he's sent out. It says he thrusted them out. You ever been pushed? Off guard? You're not ready. Right? Like I was, I wasn't ready. You haven't been like pushed and hurried? you like, you're not ready. And I know many of you are like Pastor, I hear you. But like I'm not ready. Like I'm not ready for that conversation. Like, I'm not ready for my calling. Like, I'm not ready to step into this. But can I I tell you the truth? Jesus is sending you anyway. Because he never uses perfect people. Because there aren't any. If there was, he would probably use them. So he's got to use what he's got. And he sends imperfect people. He sends people who are already broken. He sends people who already got questions. And he thrusts them out. And he says, when you get out there, depend on me. When you get out there, go in my name. When you go out there, walk with my word. When you go out there, receive my anointing. When you go out there, don't lean on your gift. Lean on me. And so your inadequacy should not warrant your hesitancy. Because just because you don't feel like you're ready, that doesn't mean he's not pushing you out. And the enemy's number one job is to get you stuck in this vortex of your identity but you are a harvester you are a planter and you are a farmer and Jesus is thrusting us out and I just got one thing to say let's go let's go amen i said let's go let's go Let's go. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, uh, like, I haven't even accepted Jesus. So, like, I don't really want to be thrust out there yet because I haven't really accepted the Lord. Well, my, my, my response to you is let go. Let go of your own control. Let go of your own life. And give it to Jesus. And the rest of you who say, yeah, I've accepted him, been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then my statement to you is, let's go. So let go and let's go. Let go and let's go. Let go and let's go. Would you stand to your feet? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to let go. Will we bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to give you an opportunity to let go and receive Jesus because he's the best gift you will ever receive. He's the best gift you will ever receive. I can't promise you that your life is going to be easy, But I can promise you your life will be better in so many ways. And so if that's you, would you lift your hand and you say, Pastor, I want to let go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to receive Jesus. I see these four hands in the back. I see these four hands in the back. I see these four hands in the back. Church, would you just come on, give. Come on. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when one comes to the Lord. Welcome to the family of God. And I want everybody to pray this prayer with me as we welcome them in. Father, thank you. Say it loud. Thank you for Jesus, for dying for my sins, for giving me new life. Now I receive the gift of salvation and I let go of the curse of this world, and I surrender my all to Jesus Christ, and I repent right now of my sins, and I turn to Christ in Jesus' name. Come on, would you make some noise for those who accepted Jesus in their life? Oh, come on, Relentless Church. That's the harvest. The harvest is here. Thank you, God. Now, I'm going to do another call for those who say, Pastor, let's go. Lift your hands. If you're ready to say, Pastor, I'm ready to go. Lift your hands. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to pray this one prayer with you, and we pray it together. Lord, say it loud. Lord, send me. That's it. That's <laughs> it. He's going to thrust you out there, but he's going to go with you everywhere. So have the conversation. Stop seeing your neighbors as just your neighbors. Stop seeing that job as just a job. Stop seeing those kids as just kids. Stop seeing this church as just Pastor David and his wife's responsibility. This is your field. And let's go and harvest, plant, and farm in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. You can have your seat. Am I ending it? Well, we bless you. Have a great Sunday. And uh, begin to bring more people into this space. And let's go. Let's go. Let's go. God bless you. Take care.